Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to Go. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan. It's Tuesday, September 6th, and we are back after Labor Day, ready to labor. I'm here with my sister, Julie Dolan, in Dallas, Texas. Hi, Julie. How's everything in Big D? Finally, and I never left, so I'm here. I've always been here. <laughs> You're back. <laughs> just just okay. a small qualification, but we're right. happy you're here, Leanne. <laughs> Fine, then. Fine. All right, Liz Dolan is in Santa Monica, California. Liz joining the Tuesday show trio now. It's a Tuesday show trio. Liz, what's happening there in Santa Monica? The Tuesday trio. Leanne, I've realized that since I enter this new phase of my life, I start every day, like I, I wake up and I ask myself the three normal questions that I have always asked. Like, number one, where am I? Uh, no, number two, what day is it? And number three, what do I have to do today? And it's just so much easier now that I'm, where am I? I'm home. Uh, what day is it? It really doesn't matter anymore when you don't have a job. And, and what do I have to do today? Nothing. So I was very happy to wake up this morning and think, oh, we get to record a show today. Excellent. Tuesday. Yay. <laughs> That's the way it works. We have a very full show. Uh, we have some breaking news. Liz, you're going to, you're going to break open that part of our stay noisy campaign. Sure. Um, Julie has a civility report that dovetails into an international news roundup. Um, something happened in space this week, <laughs> this week that was crazy. Uh, and speaking of space, I saw John Williams conduct Star Wars. We're going to tell you a little bit about that. We have comments on the empty nest, about dropping kids off at college, about uh, online dating scams you should avoid. We have two movie recommendations, a book and a TV show that I just can't get into, despite the fact that it is beloved. Oh. And... Uh, Girls, I have eight trends for smart grown-ups in terms of what to wear this fall. I don't think we will wear six of them. So does that make us not smart or not grown-ups? I don't know. Real simple. Oh, do I don't know. Do any of them involve sleeves, Leon? Are there sleeves on the slate for the fall? Yes. Yes, Liz. There's a sleeve trend I want to I want to report. I think it's the only trend we might be partaking of unless you're a surgeon or a chef. But uh, I'll, I'll explain further. But uh, bre breaking news today on the Stay Noisy front, right, Liz? Okay. Breaking news. Uh, I have two awards. For uh, Gretchen Carlson, formerly of Fox News. Uh, first is our Stay Noisy Award, uh, because Gretchen Carlson uh, spoke up against sexual harassment at Fox News, and they announced today she has a $20 million settlement from Fox. Way to go. Way, way to, to go. Way to Gretchen. go, Gretchen. I mean, that took a lot of guts. She knew she was like, you know, that was totally tanking her media career by, by speaking out. And I'm glad, and aren't we glad she did? Yeah. Yes, we are glad she did. I, you know, I don't want to overthink the fact that the guy who did it to her got a $40 million settlement for being the perpetrator, but okay. You know, that's okay. All right. That's just, that's, well, she got 20 million and she never has to see Roger Ailes again. Yes. So and that's that's probably he has to apologize to her too. Oh, okay. So this good. is the best part. This is my second award to her, Julie. This is the best use of an iPhone in 2016. Uh, because here's what Gretchen Carlson did that actually made the difference in this case. You know, dozens of women, since Gretchen Carlson spoke up, dozens of women have gone to the law firm who is conducting the investigation to come forward with their own claims. But uh, Carlson knew way back that taking on Roger Ailes, you know, the great and powerful Roger Ailes, uh, was going to be really hard. So... According to a story in today's New York magazine, which, by the way, has done all of the best reporting on this, um, she decided in 2014 that for any meetings she had in Roger Ailes' office, she would bring her iPhone and secretly record them. 
So when they say that she said he said this to her or he said that to her, she actually has it on tape. You know, when I heard that she had it on tape, I thought, wow, she was like wearing a wire. Like that seems complicated. They're so, they're so scantily clad. Where would you even put that? Speaking of, uh, speaking of sleeves, nobody does a Fox News wears sleeves. I know. Right. But, so she would just bring her iPhone into the meetings and secretly record the meetings. So she has him saying, I think you and I should have had a sexual relationship a long time ago and then you'd be good. Uh, and better, and I'd be good and better. Sometimes problems are easier to solve. And so she's got all of that stuff on the iPhone. So I, there's just, that for some reason makes me really happy. That, it was just, <laughs> well, she is a reporter, right? Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. yes. Right. Doing her own investigative journalism. So. <laughs> so, you know, she did a year of taping and so she has, she has numerous incidents, um, that she, uh, that she saved. So good for you, Gretchen Carlson. Um, and I hope that helps not only all of the other women at Fox news who have been faced with this same situation, but it's a good tip for other women in other organizations who may find that they have a colleague or a boss who is saying those kinds of things to them. So uh, stay noisy, Gretchen. Uh, congratulations. All right. Way to go. Well, um, also in the news uh, is I, I had to bring up the issue of civility. I mean, certainly Gretchen Carlson didn't, ha- you know, didn't have a lot of civility there at Fox News. But I really has been I've been focused more on Asia. You know, President Obama is on his Asian, his last trip, his trip to Asia. And he's he's dealing with some insults, sisters. I mean, am I right? Yes. Oh I my mean, God. the first thing, he arrives in China. Okay, this is a country that is all about, uh, Liz, you know this, Lian, you know this, pomp and circumstances and, 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 you know, manners and protocol and, you know, procedures. And they don't have a set of stairs for the president of the United States who's there on a state visit. And he has to come out some special, like, you know, emergency set of stairs off Air Force One. That was, that was yeah. deliberate and, and just an, an atrocious light. I mean, right. I, I mean, think- we, we saw the Beijing opening ceremonies. We know they know how to organize huge groups of people to do things. Yes. So yes. So people did not forget the set of stairs. They did that deliberately. And I just think no matter what the politics, uh, it, it just, if you invite, you know, a guest to your country, you should have a set of stairs for, <laughs> for his plane, right? Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> Second thing, if you are going to have a meeting with President Obama, Another thing you just might want to, in this sort of civil order, <laughs> you might want not want to call him names before he arrives because he's not going to want to meet with you. Right, Liz? You're talking about the president of the Philippines now. Yeah, this is yeah. pretty much a classic how not to get a meeting with the president of the United States. That's what I'd say. <laughs> but I did a what, little research. What prompted his his outburst? I just saw this on the news this morning and – I mean, yep. it's just what the would United States the United States has criticized his administration yeah. because they are doing what they're calling extraordinary uh, murders that they are essentially murdering any suspected drug dealer, right? So without okay. due process or anything like that. So there are you know civil rights, uh, human rights violations going on. And President Obama and the Obama mentioned this and criticized his administration, and he just went into he went into a rage. So now today he's saying he's all sorry, but I think that President Obama <laughs> did the totally right thing. Yes. Okay. You know, I mean, you just can't have a meeting with that. But he is not the President Duarte of the Philippines is not the first world leader or diplomat to use bad language. Uh, There was a list this morning of, you know, just for example, that uh, do you realize that Arafat, Yasser Arafat was called now um, the son of six, 60,000 whores by the (laughs) Syrian defense minister. That is a lot. Yeah. That's that's a lot. And, of course, Hugo Chavez called uh, President Bush a devil. Okay, that was nice. Uh, In Europe, they are constantly, all those members of the EU are constantly throwing around terms like, well, well, he's, you know, members of uh, the EU are low-grade bank clerks and damp rags. That's not nice. (laughs) Berlusconi of Italy, former former prime minister of Italy, uh, he referred to a member of, German member of uh, Parliament, 
parliament as a Nazi. So that wasn't nice at all either. That no. is not promoting diplomacy, no. civility, or a cooperation between two important countries. Boris Johnson, mayor of London, well, he once referred to Hillary Clinton as a sadistic nurse. Now, that is not nice at all. That is not nice. Not, not nice. nice at all. And Leon, the, the Australian prime minister, um, ref- he said he was going to, and maybe you know this term. I, I'm not familiar with it, but he said he wanted to shirt front Putin. Now, shirt front refers to... Why would I know that term? Did I... Because it's very musical newsies. Yeah, I'm going to explain why you're going to know this term, Leanne. <laughs> it's because it has to do with rugby. It's in rugby, if you shirt front somebody... I mean, you have sons. You watch all kinds of <laughs> it's international true. sports. I do watch a lot of sports, so thank you for giving me credit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So your shirt front just... is when you charge someone right straight ahead, you know, in their chest... And you hope to knock him out. That's what he wants to do to Putin. So we have we live in a world of just just total lack of manners, total lack of civility, name calling all over the place, mm-hmm. and it's getting us nowhere. So no. I think we right. should stop. So what are you going to do about it, Julie? Do you have a plan? <laughs> well, <laughs> I think stop we should it. stop. Just stop it. Stop the name calling, okay? And I, I really think some of these are very tired expressions too. I mean, don't you? <laughs> So you would like better insults. Yes. Uh, if you're going to insult them, you got to work a little harder. I know. The way, the way they do on Veep. Exactly. That's right. why. That's what makes Veep, the show, so hilarious to watch. Their use of language when they are insulting each other is the best ever. I think, President of the Philippines, watch a couple of, of episodes and you'll be good to go. <laughs> okay. Well, I have just a little tidbit that I wanted to mention because it's – Sad news, but I guess good news. And it is that they found the missing Philly spacecraft that landed on the comet in 2014 and then we lost it. Well, they finally found it. They have a picture of it now. It got to this comet after a 10-year trip. Remember, it landed. It bounced a couple of times. There were a few. Like, you know, we got a little bit of like 60 hours of communique. And then because it was in a dark ditch, it just just went dark. So now at least they have a picture of it. It It was sad. It was sad and then just died. <laughs> it was in a dark ditch. It was yes, a dark. They're never going to make a. They're never going to make a movie about it, right? <laughs> it's never going to be some exciting Tom Hanks movie at all. No, no. But the good news is, it descended from the Rosetta orbiter, and the orbiter is about to make its descent to the comet surface. So I'm hoping that. Um, you know, they've learned a few lessons from the Philly lander and that they have time to incorporate those lessons into this upcoming landing, which is at the end of this month. Though I suppose if they sent the Rosetta out there 10 years ago, this, it's probably going to be hard to do any repairs or, you know, any last minute fixes. But good luck, Rosetta. And, um, you know, well, wasn't there a photo from space that finally identified? Yes, it? Didn't they, yes. Wasn't there some like unbelievable crossover? Like, oh, you know, like, oh, hey, I found your car keys. They're here. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's, what I, that's what I imagined. Oh, that's where I left my sunglasses. Shoot. <laughs> but it was yes. that sort of a situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They found it, you know. Anyway, at least now they know what happened to it. The scientists on the news seem to feel better about that. They said, the wonderful news means that now that we have the missing ground truth information needed to put Philly's three days of science into proper context. So I guess it's closure. Is That's what it's scientific <laughs> speaks. They have closure on little, little Philly. Little, mm. little Philly lander. <laughs> All right. From outer space to Star Wars, Liz, uh, I fulfilled... Well, a short lifetime dream of seeing John Williams at the Hollywood Bowl on Friday night. That is an L.A. tradition that I have not been a part of for 23 years. (laughs) But pretty much every season, I say to my husband, you know, we should go see that John Williams show at the Hollywood Bowl on Labor Day weekend. And we never do. We never do, Liz. We continue to not do it for decades and decades. And I've never done it, but I haven't been here as long as you, so I don't feel like that. Yeah. 
So, and I know that he plays all over the place, the 4th of July, the Boston Pops. Our parents used to watch that on TV. But this Hollywood Bowl thing is kind of a special night, and he plays all his movie music, and it's the L.A. Phil Orchestra, and it's just kind of a thing here. And uh, he hasn't and the done- Hollywood Bowl is beautiful. I mean, it's a great place to go hear music, too, right? It is, it is a very special place. They have a great band shell. The music sounds great. It's tucked into a canyon. You would never know you're in the middle of Los Angeles. There are seats there from, you know, many many thousands of dollars to $10 in the back. So you get a wide, you know, swath of people to come, enjoy the music, to picnic. It is quite possibly the most difficult musical venue to get to in the United States. Yes, that's America. true. It Don't is. you have to like walk for like four or five miles, maybe <laughs> abandon your car somewhere in a different state and then just get on highly, shuttle buses? And- highly inconvenient for every person coming from anywhere. Yeah. Like I think even if you lived across the street, it would still take you an hour and a half to get there. I mean, that's that's how inconvenient it is. So it does require shuttles and satellite parking and some mix of private and public transportation. You know, it's stacked parking, so the first car in is the last car out. So that's why sometimes it's pretty easy to talk yourself out of going to the Hollywood yeah, Bowl. Yeah. Because it's a journey. It's a journey. But we made the journey. A colleague of my husband's at work had unbelievable seats. And I sort of offered them up to us. Um, he's had the same seats for 20 years. It's the kind of thing where people hand down their seats from, you know, father to child, that kind of thing. So we really benefited. We were in the second row. Uh, and he came out. He's 82. And that's why I wanted to go because he's not getting any younger. And he hasn't played there the last three years. And I thought, well, this could be it. So... <laughs> Well, that's the spirit. <laughs> yeah. Getting it under the wire. That's good. It's not billed as his farewell tour, but it don't know could be. So, I had no idea uh, he was that old. I guess he must yeah. be. He's been doing this forever. Well, he told the story of getting his first job um, playing in 1954, the piano for the soundtrack of... Um, Oh, now I'm going to forget the name of the like famous musical. It will come to me. Uh, that was scored by Alfred Newman, who was the father of David Newman and Thomas Newman, the brothers that oh, wow. whatever score John Williams doesn't do, Alfred New- or David <laughs> Williams or Thomas yes. Newman do. So long story, there was a lot of mu- movie music. David Newman was there to conduct, and he did everything from The Godfather to he played the, the Philharmonic played the soundtrack from Star Trek live to music clips for 10 minutes. You've got to see the music going, movie going and hear the dialogue. And there's the Philharmonic on stage going nuts. And then John Williams came out and the place went crazy. People had brought their own lightsabers. They were selling lightsabers at the venue. People were waving thousands of lightsabers. People were in Star Wars costumes and Jaws t-shirts. It was unbelievable. And he played almost every almost everything they played he conducted was from Star Wars. But he told some good stories of uh, writing the music for the first Star Wars before he played Leia's theme, music you would recognize about how, you know, that George Lucas told him nothing about the rest of the story. So he assumed, like the rest of the world, that Leia and Luke were, would become lovers. He did not know they were brother and sister mm-hmm. until the third movie. So <laughs> he wrote this very romantic theme for them, which turned out to be kind of creepy in retrospect. <laughs> that was, people love that. And then when J.J. Abrams came to him with the new Star Wars, The Force Awakens, uh, it was interesting to hear both David Newman and John Williams say they don't, they almost know nothing about the movie until they see it. Like no. they don't really read the script. They actually, they really let the movie inform the music. David, David Newman kept saying it's collaborative. Like you watch the, the movie a couple of times and the movie demands the music. You just really don't know where you're going until you see the actual film. And John Williams said the same thing. And he said when he saw J.J. Abrams' rough cuts of The Force Awakens, he was so taken by Ray, you know, the female oh, yeah. character She's who great. is so great. He was so taken. He goes, I didn't know where she came from. If she'd ever been in another movie, but she was just so fresh faced and athletic. And he said, I composed every note in that score for her. 
And he said they came to me just recently, Disney and J.J. Abrams, to say, would you do the music for the next one? And he said, you know, I was going to think about it again because he's 82. (laughs) And uh, he said, but he thought about it for one second. He said, I can't let anyone else write for Ray. So he's going to do her for the next one. She should get her own movie. Ray should speak (laughs) up and just... Get some yeah. spin-off going. Who knows? Maybe she will. But it was really a fantastic night. He was very touched. He did four encores. Uh, and then he said, I have to go to bed. Uh, <laughs> which I, my husband had already said that several encores. <laughs> I have to go to bed. But, so um, it's kind of a two-day trip to the Hollywood Bowl. Yeah. Go one day, yeah. come back the next. Yeah. Yeah. And we were going to – I was a little sad he didn't play Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is my favorite movie, uh, the music from that. But there was a 10-year-old boy behind me screaming every time there was a break, Indiana Jones! <laughs> Indiana Jones! So he really did have fans from, you know, age 10 to whatever all the way there. It was a really fun evening. And now I can say I've done it. I've participated in that great tradition. It was great. That looked great. You had a Good couple report. of – Good clips on your Facebook page. So the video of the lightsabers waving was fantastic. Yeah, it was really, it was very touching, very touching. Um, so, but before that, where have I been? You know, I took a couple of weeks off, uh, about a month off the podcast. I've been working on my writing, working on my novel. It's almost done. And so that's a good feeling. Um, and I've also Congratulations. Been, thank you. Thank you very much. And um, although, you know, it's not quite done, so don't say. Oh, okay. Don't, okay, don't I take it back. Like, <laughs> and you, we should clarify you haven't asked your sisters for any input inspiration you haven't asked us to bounce any ideas around or anything have you you do this all by yourself yeah i do well i i ask other writers fiction writers <laughs> just not us yeah you don't write fiction so i you're a great audience and uh but it, it would I mean, I might as well ask you how to fix my car. I mean, you don't do that either. So, oh, that's cruel. That's You're cruel. No, you are correct. You're correct. Hey, thank you, Liz. Thank you. I mean, I'm just a fan. Just a fan. So, um, uh, but people, several people have asked, "Oh, what's the deal? Have you sent Colin to college yet?" No, not gone yet. So, my younger son, like many of your children, starting college this fall, but his school's on the quarter system. So, it has resulted in what has been the world's longest summer for him <laughs> and for me. <laughs> I think we're both really going to be ready for him to go. Uh, I know people sent their kids in August, but he goes in the middle of September. He's going to drive up to Olympia, Washington. There will be a drop-off date and and some stuff like that, uh, but not till September 20th. So he's still here. Uh, we have yesterday, though, we completed washing all of his sheets and everything like that, his new extra-long twin sheets for college um, <laughs> yesterday. I, I have not wanted to bug him about anything um, fashion-related because I know just in general their knee-jerk reaction is to reject anything you might suggest, right? Mm-hmm. Julie, you know that. Yes, that's, that's right. Just not interested boys in this age. And even if it's 100% practical, they will just say no to spite you. Right. So, uh, But he is moving to a place which is actually a rainforest. And... Um, <laughs> You know, we live in a place where it hasn't rained in like a decade in Southern California. So I'm not sure he understands like how much rain is really going to happen there (laughs) and what it's like when it rains like for days and days and days. So finally yesterday I was like, you know, I I think you're going to need a raincoat. And I (laughs) didn't want to bug him, but they say like right in the material like, it's usually not nice on orientation day, so bring a raincoat. Like, they just, they don't even <laughs> They're pretend. not even, they're pretending no. that it's good weather. Okay. No pictures. Like that. On the website, there's a lot of photos in the pouring rain. You know, people in full rain gear. So, uh, so we did order uh, just a standard L.L. Bean raincoat. And then while we were there, he is living on a floor with, um, it's a hallway with three, three women and three men. Okay, boys and girls. It's a mixed, it's a co-ed hallway and a co-ed bathroom. So I started to think through the propriety of that. And I said, you should get a bathrobe. Okay, (laughs) because you're going to be in a hall with girls and 
Boxer shorts are underwear. They're not shorts. They're underwear. Okay? It's just, I, you wear them around me and it makes me crazy, but I don't want you to go to college and the first week freak out these young women that you're with. So then my husband said, oh, a bathrobe? What is wrong with your family in the bathrobe? <laughs> <laughs> It's true. Our mother was the number one fan of the bathrobe. We were not allowed out of our bedrooms unless we had our bathrobes on. Right. (laughs) To this day, like, Dick spends a lot of time in his bathrobe. You go to Brendan's. Everyone wears bathrobes. Monica carries bathrobes when she travels. I was the last thing I took out of my rolling bag to go into Rio was a bathrobe. Like, why would I have needed a bathrobe in Rio? We were barely in our hotel rooms. But I, I was like, oh, I guess I'll have to go without a bathrobe. He's right. We have a bathrobe issue. But <laughs> on the other hand, if the P- other people didn't buy bathrobes, why does the L.L. Bean catalog have 10 different kinds of bathrobes? Am I right, girls? <laughs> people, p- bathrobes are comfortable. I doubt they're wearing them in college. I think the girls are going to be on boxer shorts, too, on the, in the hall and in the bathroom. But that's exactly that- what my husband said. And I said, I'm not their mother. I'm not their mother. I can't. I'm not their mothers, am I? Send that bathrobe, Leon. I'm with you. Just do it. Send it. So, so we ordered a nice black watch flannel bathrobe and a plain blue raincoat from LL Bean yesterday, and that's How about it. Some footwear, maybe because it's going to be his feet are going to be all wet from uh, from living in a rainforest. No, I I tried to broach that subject, Julie, but that is one where. Again, because we don't wear any footwear like that in Southern California, we could go drastically wrong on that. Yeah, you, know, you could just can't even imagine. Right, dorky. Yeah. And then, and I figure when he's up there, he'll see what actual kids from Washington are wearing who have lived, grown up around rain, and he'll get that. I just, or he'll call. It's probably going to be something along the line of Birkenstocks and socks. Sadly, it probably will. And that's I'm fine. Like I just. The raincoat, I felt like he's going to be glad he has that. And the bathrobe, he's going to be glad he has that bathrobe. But the footwear, he he can call me with that. He can call me. Or maybe one of the girls on his hall will wear the bathrobe. Yeah, somebody's going to wear that bathrobe. I don't want to think like that, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Julie. Okay. I know. I'm teasing you, Leah. I'm teasing you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. But we, we've had a lot of interesting comments and conversation over there on the Satellite Sisters Facebook group because so many people seem to be dropping their kids off at college, uh, entering perhaps the empty nest stage or dropping their oldest off. But we had a particularly thoughtful post this week from Kathleen, who has a son going into his senior year in high school. And she was saying she just does not think she's going to be able to survive this. Like, when people say high school flies by, that is not the way she feels. She feels like she's felt every single day. It's been the longest three years of her life, and she's just not sure that her son is ready for college or the college application process. You know, she just needed some support. And that is what she got over on the Facebook page. There were so many great responses to Kathleen's really honest post because you are not alone, Kathleen. I think there are a lot of parents out there that feel like we're on this college admissions treadmill. And unless you get on it, something's wrong with your kid or something's off with you. And this is the only option they have. And even if it's not quite the right school the first year, you can fix it the second year. And there are the best options and there are lesser options. And I just think after sending two, you know, we'll be two kids to college, there are a lot of different ways to do the years after high school. I had one son take a gap year. It completely changed his life. It wasn't a popular decision, actually, even with me first when he decided (laughs) to do it because I didn't want him home. It was a very hard thing to explain to his friends and his teachers who assumed that, oh, he must have not gotten into school. It wasn't the case, but it turned out to be the best thing for him. And my second son. He found one school that he liked. It was the perfect school for him. He applied there, done in October, and mainly because he didn't want to do all the other stuff. And you know what? That's fine, too. I don't know. Julie, what do you think? You worked in college. I, I think that's I think that's right. I think, you, you know, you, there are definitely a lot of choices, and you don't have to, you know, follow the pack. But it is very easy to get caught up into all of the hysteria of applying to schools. And so I would say just continue to read all the good, um, solid advice coming from, 
you know, all the good solid satellite sisters uh, about this issue. But you know, you just can you can do your own thing there. That's for a certain. And I don't. And I think it's the choices are even more wide open now than they were maybe ten or ten years ago. So that's right. Good. It's not yeah. the end of the world if they take some time off. They don't get behind. We had several college administrators and instructors comment like. Parents flush a lot of money down the toilet the freshman year for a kid who is not ready or doesn't want to go to that particular school or should have taken a year off. Just, you know, just take a deep breath and try to think about what's really best for your son and your family because it can be a whole year of fighting and screaming. No, I know. I I be terrible. That's terrible. I, I did a lot of graduate admissions, as you know, and I'd see transcripts from people who really bombed out their freshman year. And then they've tried to recover, they've, you know, refocused, but they're still for the rest of their lives, you know, trying to explain what happened their freshman year in college, you know, which they shouldn't, you know, that maybe they shouldn't have been in college that, that year. So that's, so it's better to, you know, to save the money, take a break if that's the right thing to do. Yeah. So, and I do want to recommend one resource on that. And Julie, I know you have a re- recommendation too, but Grown and Flown is a really good website and blog. And it's particularly aimed for um, parents that have uh, adult and young adult children. So, end of high school, high school, and then early 20s kids. There's a lot of good information, uh, a lot of good advice over there, a lot of good resources, grownandflown.com. Okay. Well, the other website and uh, Twitter uh, account that I wanted to recommend is Maria Shriver uh, because she uh, has a motivational uh, website and she puts out motivational tweets Pretty much every, you know, every week, uh, multiple times a week. And she is an empty nester this year. Um, her fourth child, she just dropped him off at college. And she wrote a beautiful piece about being an empty nester because it is, it is hard. It's, there's no two ways about it. It's a major shift. It's a, a it's a real change in roles for a lot of parents. Uh, it's less so for the kids, but certainly for the parents. And she wrote a beautiful piece saying that, you know, you've been a loving mother, you've created this home, this loving home, and that's always going to be there. Even if the kids aren't there, they know that you have created this for them and that they can always come back and, you know, enjoy that kind of love and support. And I thought that was good because it is easy to get depressed or feel empty or feel without purpose when your kids leave, when you've devoted so much time to that. So. Uh, I would certainly check that out. The other thing that she had on her site this week, because let's face it, uh, somebody else who had a super good week this week is Mother <laughs> Teresa. Okay, maybe even better than Gretchen Carlson's week. Okay, she became a saint. Don't you love that? Okay, so, okay, so she gets another Stay Noisy Award, Julie. You're right. She <laughs> does, Liz. She does. And on, you know, and so much has been written about her sainthood. But there, again, on Maria's site, she had a beautiful piece written by a guy named Tony Quantro, who had volunteered at one of Mother Teresa's homes. And he worked with the dying and worked with Alzheimer's patients. And he had a list of things that he learned from Mother Teresa about caring for people. Number one, you know, Mother Teresa used to always say, we can do no great things, only small things with great love. Yeah, that's a good quote. That That is is good good to keep in your mind when you're caring for someone. Yes, yes. And what she really was all about, according to Tony, was just unconditional love for all. That that was really what Everybody should be working on every single day. It's very important to be non-judgmental and to try to have unconditional love for all. And I know I did not succeed at that today. I know I'm already. I'm not already. Already, I had some grumbling with a neighbor. So it just there was not an unconditional love going on there, Liz. So, but but it was a beautiful piece. He's written a book called A Gift of Love, and just about because he volunteered and worked with all these dying with these dying uh, people, just about the importance of you know a number of things of listening, of touching, of choices, of having a sense of humor, of taking nothing for granted at the end of life, of respect, of music, you know, which I think is very important, 
Unconditional Love and Faith of Some Kind. So the name of his book, Tony Quantro's book that that uh, Maria Shriver was recommending is called A Gift of Love. So Is her site just mariashriver.com? Yeah, I think okay. so. Yeah, I, I follow her Facebook page and I get her newsletter, so um, I just couldn't recall. Yeah. Let me so, let me confirm that. I follow yeah. her on Twitter, and I did notice that post yeah. uh, over the weekend, Julie, of she and her son. She was dropping her son off, and her son is like two feet taller than she is. Right, you know? right. <laughs> just the uh, all right. Well, um, yeah, it is mariashriver.com. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, so she's got, a lot, she's got a lot of good stuff there. She has a lot to say. She does. So that I just want to pass that on for the you know for a lot you know for anyone that can be provide some inspiration and motivation on any day. Okay, and now I'm going to take the point of view. This is Liz on when unconditional love might just go too far, but when you have to put condition, <laughs> conditions on your love. And uh, this was a headline that I saw that I thought, huh, how is this possible? It was in the Wall Street Journal last week. And the headline is, online daters are falling prey to scams. And I thought, well, other than the obvious scam that is online dating, (laughs) what... You mean that everybody's lying about that everybody's lying to everybody about everything. What could be a deeper level of scam? And it said victims lost nearly 120 million to so-called romance scams in the first six months of 2016, which is up 23 percent. This is according to the FBI's Internet Crime Complaint Center. And it seems wow, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And who is sending money to people for dates for what? Like what? What is the transaction that's happening in the online dating arena? Well, here's what it is: it is romance scammers who are targeting especially the elderly, which is what makes this so sad. So the they target the elderly. They claim to be Americans temporarily working overseas, and then they groom this person, you know, over. Uh, weeks or months of phone calls and uh, emails, and then they ask for loans. So here's the example they had in the story, and it just is a heartbreaker. So this is a woman, Wilma Jensen, 84 years old, widowed in 2011 after 61 years of marriage. Oh, I know. And so last summer she joined Match.com, Julie. Ooh. Oh, her grandkids <laughs> probably signed her up or something, you I know. know. Like, you grandma? Know, I understand. It must be very lonely. I imagine after 61 years of marriage, you're all by yourself, you know, that you, you know, you want some companionship, you want some love, you want some company. So anyway, so she joined Match.com and she was contacted by someone who called himself Chris. And Chris, uh, the picture of Chris, it's a man with a dark, full head of hair, as Monica would say, full head of hair and business attire. And he said he was a Christian, near 70, and enjoyed theater. So, okay, you know, <laughs> I don't even, yes, liar, liar, pants on fire already. So there you go. And um, But too young for her, too. Too young. If she's 84... There's that's a big difference. Yes, right? but here this was daily phone calls and emails, Julie, oh. from Chris uh, to Wilma. Chris claimed to be uh, an affluent antiques dealer in London who was originally from Kentucky, and he claimed that his wife had died in a car crash, and he wanted to start a new chapter with Mrs. Jensen. So imagine, uh, poor Wilma, she's all by herself. Chris looks great, seems upstanding. You know, antiques dealer in London, that sounds pretty good. But then within months, he wrote to her that he needed to have heart surgery and had to pay medical bills before coming back to the United States. So so there's the hook, like, I'm going to come back to you, but first I need to do this. And he, he said his money was all tied up. So she sent him... $120,000 in loans to uh-huh. various London bank accounts. And thank goodness her son realized she was sending money to someone and sending money to someone she had never met. And that's when they called in the U.S. authorities. And uh, she said that she had fallen in love with Chris and believed he was in distress 
And the quote here is, I was just trying to help out because that's what I do. I help. Oh, oh Wilma. Anyway, oh, that's, that's unconditional love that Wilma was I know. giving to us. I know. I know. That's where your love needs to have a few conditions on it. See what I mean? <laughs> like, just sending money to people that you've never met is just never a good idea. And I know we went through a little bit of that with our dad at one point. He was making contributions to people in organizations online during, I think that's when we really were putting together the pieces of his uh, Alzheimer's diagnosis. But, you know, thank goodness her son realized that this was going on because that could have really been, I'm sure, I mean, losing $120,000 when you're 84 years old, that is devastating. But Anyway, just thought I'd throw that no, out there. And there's no recourse. They never got the money back. They never caught Chris. And that he just got away with the crime. Right? Yeah, they said it is really, really hard. Where's Let's see. The uh, U.S. authorities said there was little they could do because of the difficulty chasing overseas fraudsters. So yeah. that's why they... Um, uh, they are overseas, or at least pretend to be overseas. And uh, and Match said they can't help either. You know, so there you have it. Don't want to bring people down. Um, you know, maybe I need a little story to lighten that. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah, pandas just got taken off the endangered species list. So there you oh, go. God. Now we're all yeah. back up. Okay, and, uh, <laughs> that is a mood booster, Liz. Thank you. That's yeah. You know, sorry, Wilma, but yay, pandas. Yay, pandas. Uh, Population has gone up over the past 10 years, so yay. Okay, sorry, didn't mean to bring people down with that. No, those panda moms have been cranking them out lately, it seems like. So way to go, pandas. That's excellent. Hey, well, it's movie time. We need to talk about some movies. Um, I went to see uh, the Sob the Fest, uh, the cinematic tearjerker, uh, The Light Between Two Oceans. Did you ever read this book? By I, I'm the only, I, I feel like the only one in America that did not read I the did book. Not. I did not. It's, it's so just it's a tearjerker? It is a tearjerker. It's a melodrama. It's a story of a lighthouse keeper and his wife living off the coast of Western Australia. And they raise a baby that they rescue from um, a, a rowboat that has come, come, you know, come on shore. Okay, that's all I'll tell you because you might want to go see see the movie. It was filmed in New Zealand, and um, and you feel like you are reading a book when you're watching this movie. Okay, it's sort of slow. It's satisfying. You can see all the plot dilemmas coming up. I mean, it's not like you are surprised at all. Like you just you just know, but yet you're drawn into this incredible tearjerker. It's set in uh, Australia post World War one and here's a tip for you everyone in the movie is wounded in some way you know wounded (laughs) so it's about love it's about forgiveness it's about redemption it's about melodrama pandas pandas any pandas? No, no pandas. There's not one single panda okay. in it. List. Dingoes? Any dingoes? No, no. It's off the coast. It's on the coastline. But it has Michael Fassbender in it. Oh, and it okay. Leech of Vikander in it, and Rachel Weiss in it. So it's like excellent acting all the way around. And a little side note that Michael Fassbender and Alicia Vikander fell in love in real life. Well, they were filming this movie. Oh. So the sparks are real. Okay. So what I would say about this movie is, you know, if when you're in the mood for like, you know, I, I, like you get caught in a snowstorm, you want to read a good book or, you know, you're just, you're stuck somewhere. This is a very satisfying movie. I, I, that's what I would say, you know, but it's slow. It's, it's, you know, you're not, you're not uh, energized coming out of it. You're really sort of exhausted from crying. So, but a couple of special hats off, okay, because there is a baby in this movie, and the baby, you see the baby over a course of a number of years, so from like three months to five years old. So, the babies that they moved in this movie, used in this movie, are gorgeous, okay, and they're all amazing. So, hats off from Urban Nana, all the babies in this movie are worth seeing, okay, that's number one. Number two, fabulous knitwear in this movie the sweaters the little hats that the babies are wearing the booties the sweaters that the lighthouse keeper and his wife are wearing 
excellent. So you definitely, that that's good. There's a lot of wind in this movie. So if you like wind, you're going to enjoy it because it seems like every scene, the two stars were being buffeted by winds, you know, that because uh, they're on this island, you know, remote island with this lighthouse. Uh, loads of tears. There is a lot of crying in this movie. Okay, <laughs> the actors are crying. The people in the audience are crying. Every, the babies are crying. <laughs> Everybody's crying. Okay, and then I want to give a special award to the three men that were in the theater when I saw it with fifty other women. Now I, these are like I don't know somebody's boyfriends, their husbands, partners, whatever. They were the three nicest guys that they went to go see the light between two oceans with their friends because it is def- it's sort of a woman's movie, you know, but I, I wouldn't not recommend it. That's what I would say about it. <laughs> you uh, wouldn't not recommend it. Wow. I would not, not recommend it. Yeah. I mean, there were, I mean, it's a soft, it's a melodrama. So, you know, if you want a good cry, this is it. So nothing wrong well, with Julie, that. I have to say you created quite a hornet's nest with your not recommendation of Florence Foster Jones or whatever. Florence Foster Jenkins. I mean, I wasn't on that show, but I saw you had some haters on the Facebook. Uh, I know, I know. And I'm, you know, I'm doubling down. I'm doubling down. I am never, ever going to see that movie now. But yeah, I would down. like to say, Leanne, when Julie and I talked about that, we didn't tell people they couldn't go see it. Right. We right, had just right. each separately seen the trailer and separately concluded that it looked boring and we weren't going to see it. So, but if you saw it and you loved it, we're very happy for you. Yes, that's yeah. fine. That's fine. Yeah. Well, we did have some people who saw it and, and did not like it. Did agree that it was boring. And you were absolutely right to judge it by the trailer and others who thought it was a lovely change of pace. A, refre- a refreshing movie in August. Um, but you went for it with Hell or High Water and Colin and I went last week. Excellent movie, Julie. Good call. We would not have gone to that. So, I know. I, and yeah. I now saw in the paper, it's really, you know, taken off by word of mouth. Word of mouth started here coming out of my mouth. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. They're calling it the sleeper hit of the summer. Uh, and, and it all started here. It's yes. like sisters. I told, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I, I, I'm hoping to generate a little word of mouth for Don't Think Twice. I recommend it on my Facebook page, but I just want to repeat the recommendation here on the podcast. Uh, this is written by comic Mike Berbiglia. It's a movie about an improv troupe and the complicated relationships that happen when you work together in a, in something like improv that is, uh, you know, relies on trust and chemistry. It stars Keegan Michael Key of Key and Peel, um, and he's great. It. This is like a funny, sad, fully realized movie that you laugh, you cry, the characters have an arc, things change, it has a plot. I absolutely loved it. It's called Don't Think Twice. So, you know, if you enjoyed Hell or High Water, the opposite of that movie would be Don't Think Twice. But <laughs> in, the same, in the same time, it is also a movie about a story about real people with a plot. No superheroes, no comic book references. So that's what I loved. I loved it. Did you have either of you guys seen it? I did no. see it. Yes. I went and saw that. I'm not as super positive about it as you are because okay. I, I just found it kind of depressing, which I know it's supposed to be, you know, because it's supposed to be like just the things that uh, a lot of it is about the things that come between friends, which I know is real. And of course it happens. It happens to all of us. But, you know, some days you want to see that movie and other days you don't. But the I thought it was not as much of a comedy as I expected, more of a drama than I expected. But you're right. Like, it's a grown-up movie about grown-up people and and very real. So that that would be my, my take on it. All right. Here's a grown-up book for grown-up people written by a grown-up. It's called Syracuse by Delia Efron. Has anybody read this oh, one? No, no, no I've heard about that. it, though. Okay, yeah, this is getting good reviews. I picked it up, read it. Um, you know, sometimes when I'm writing, I also just do a lot of reading and other like intake of creative material just kind of keeps me in the zone. But Syracuse is great. It's like a complicated look at two different marriages and how children factor it in. It's one of those books that like the wrong couple goes on vacation with each other 
and, you know, mystery and confusion ensues. And it's written by Delia Efron, Nora's sister, one of the writing Efron sisters. She's a very good writer. It is a grown-up book with grown-up themes, uh, just in case you don't like that grown-up language. It is that, but it's really good. I found it to be a very satisfying read. One of the, Probably the best book I read all summer, and I've read a lot of books oh. this summer. So okay. really enjoyed that. Good book club pick. You know, a lot to chew on there about, again, relationship, marriage, friends, parenting, sort of a mystery. So it becomes a page turner. Uh, really a lot to go on there. Loved it. Syracuse is what it's called. And then, um, okay, finally, I have a, a confession to make. I tried in the spirit of the sisterhood and in the spirit of supporting things by women to watch on Netflix the Gilmore Girls. Now, the, I know, new, the new Gilmore Girls? No, the old the one. Old Gilmore, I okay. never watched You the never old. watched that before? Oh. No, I just was working. That's what I realized. I was like, why did I miss this the first time around? And I had, we were on the air six days a week, and there, I just didn't watch a lot of TV at that time because I had children and a job and. I just missed the whole first round of the Gilmore Girls. You know, I'd catch 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. So I thought in honor of, you know, the new Gilmore Girls coming out, they're coming back. Netflix is going to put it on in the fall. I'm going to get into the Gilmore Girls. People love it. I've seen Gilmore Girls reunions. I, I have found it to be unwatchable. I cannot. Leah, no. I cannot watch the mother, Lauren that Graham. Fast talking? You don't like that all that fast talking mother? I don't mind the fast talking. She just makes bad decisions as a parent. <laughs> I know. Well, I that's, that's the. It. it makes me crazy. She's, trying, get... she's a single mom. She's just doing the best she can, Leanne. No, she's not. She's <laughs> burdening her teenage daughter with a lot of adult problems. <laughs> When she should maybe at 32, 33, act a little bit more grown up, Julie. (laughs) I can't go on. I can't continue. I can't carry on. Does she get better? Does it get better? Does she? Well, with that kind, with your kind of attitude, I don't think you should be watching it, (laughs) Lane. We don't want you to watch the girls. You're out. Okay. Oh, okay. I'm out. All right. Fine, Mean Girls. I mean, Gilmore Girls fan. Watch all that fast talking and bad decision making. And why does she cut the nice parents out of her life when they could have been very helpful for Rory's upbringing? I just don't understand. Why does she drink so much coffee? Why does she treat Luke so badly? I don't know. (laughs) You can take your Gilmore Girls. I don't want it. Well, I guess you're Miss Perfect. I guess you've done everything right, Leah. You don't know how hard it was for her. And I'm never going to know because I'm never going to watch the rest of it or the new Gilmore Girls. I am going to stick with Jane the Virgin, which is ten times the show the Gilmore's Girls is. That is a great show about parenting. I love it. Okay. So there you go. I can't watch it, but apparently it's just not for me. You know, Lauren Graham had the same effect on me on Parenthood, another show where she is in where she talks fast and makes a lot of poor decisions. And Maybe you just have a Lauren Graham issue. I think I don't, you know, and I know she's an actress, so maybe I'm uh-huh. not to make fantastic decisions, but <laughs> not on TV, not so much. So, okay. All right. Okay. Can I, and- can I throw in one save the date as long as we're talking about entertainment? Uh, the thing I'm most excited about in the movie landscape coming over the next uh, couple of months the new Christopher Guest movie, Mascots. Have you started to read about that? Oh, I saw the trailer. Holy cow, it looks funny. Is it good? I haven't seen the trailer. I've only read oh, about funny. it. So, Julie, this is a story. I mean, you know, all the Christopher Guest movies are so great. And it's his usual that. cast of characters. But it's mascots all competing against each other to win something that I believe is called the Golden Fluffy. <laughs> okay, right so, there. That's funny. Right there. Funny. Okay, right there. So October 13th on Netflix, save the date, the mascots by, by Christopher Guest. I'm, I'm clearing my schedule for that one. Okay. See, that sounds like a cat palate cleanser to me, Liz. I'm looking forward to it. All right, we're going to finish up today uh, 
with something from Real Simple. Love Real Simple magazine. The fall issues are starting to come in of all the magazines that I subscribe to. So this one had, you know, suede on the cover. That puts you in the mood for fall, doesn't it? Yeah. Anything suede, anything mm. plummy and suede and ooh, booty. <laughs> so, uh, so one of their articles was eight trends for smart grown-ups. It's our guide to flattering, adaptable, affordable fall fashion, right? That's what we need. That's okay. what we need. I like the sound of that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry to report that six out of the eight of these are just heinous, but uh, oh. I, I've seen them in the magazines. Maybe it's just my bad feet, but updated Mary Janes, the Mary Janes look. Mm, that always seems like girls in drama club, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that would be your Lauren Graham type girl. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The Gilmore girls. That's what they wear. <laughs> okay. So no thanks. All right. How about this? Probably the least flattering silhouette of all would be the high collared blouse. Now, uh, that is not good on anyone. Not no, even I Laura Ingalls Wilder. <laughs> Well, I don't know, Leanne, you're younger than Julie and I are, but I will just speak for me and my neck that anything that I'm in the Nora Ephron, I feel bad about my neck camp. So, you know, maybe not a full on Diane Keaton covering up every single inch, but like things that give me a little more coverage there, I'm, I'm willing to consider. I'll at least try it on. I, I like the high neck, Leanne. I'm gonna go look, check that out. The high, it's the pleats that come off of it that are the product that create like a bust issue, I think. And it's not a flattering, that's what I think. Okay, so it's not, not like a black turtleneck. Get a nice black turtleneck. This is not that. These are like blouses with fringe across the bust line. That's not gonna be good on us. No, no. (laughs) Okay. Okay, you're right. Ah! You know what else isn't gonna be good on us? Oh, prairie dresses. (laughs) Why are bulls coming back? Because it's the 70s. Yeah, those were big in the 70s, prairie dresses. Yeah. Yeah. They look super comfy, though. They really do look comfortable. (laughs) Okay. Well, why don't you put one of those on and start online dating? (laughs) You will be able to. I'm going to put that on instead of a bathrobe. That's what I'm going to (laughs) do. It's basically like a Lon's nightgown, right? Yes. And, you know, speaking of Diane Keaton, you're right. I mean, the other thing is structured trousers. Okay. Oh, First, no. Don't the word trousers. Back. Yeah. Trousers <laughs> are bad. I mean, they're, good, they're good on some people, just not. Like supermodels. They look good on supermodels. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the old, quote, paper bag trouser. What makes you look like a paper bag? I mean, you know the one where you're supposed to cinch that. Yeah, gathered that at the waist. Oh, what oh, could be worse no. than that? That's- and here's what they're, they're pretending it's a trouser, but it's just a, it's a cropped trouser. I mean, that, that's not a trouser. Those are gauchos, right? Come on. <laughs> no gauchos for you, Liam. No. Not real simple. All right. So the two, though, I think we can use successfully. Oh, thank um, God there's something. Liz, you enjoy uh, earrings and you can pull off oversized earrings I, well. Yes. Uh-huh. So I want you to look through earrings with tassels. Okay, that's it. You know, like tassels that you find on your couch. Oh. Now you're going to put them on ears. Okay, that's what you got. All right, got I'm a lot in. Of yeah. Tassel earrings out there, and colors, and like knobby, you know, things that stick in your ear, and then the tassels come off. I think those are going to work for you. Okay. And then I noticed this bag, embellished hand strap bag. Now, Julie, I'm pretty sure you had one of these in the 70s, you know, with uh-huh. like weave hand the the strap that went over your shoulder was like the groovy weave do you know what i'm yeah, talking about? like right, a yes. something so like these guitar strap like yes a, guitar yeah. strap exactly exactly julie yeah so these are coming back and i was so taken by one bag in particular i saw i did something i never do i looked up where i could buy it i went to that website to try to buy the bag like never do that and I couldn't even find the bag listed. It was a Steve Madden bag with a guitar strap handle. And I was like, hmm, okay, well, it's not even listed at the website it's supposed to be at, Lord & Taylor. There were other Steve Madden bags, but not this particular kind. So I was sad. I was sad over the weekend that I couldn't <laughs> find the bag. really thought it was going to just perk me up for the fall fashion. And guess what? Today I'm prepping for the show. I'm reading the newspaper. And then all of a sudden on my Facebook page, there's the bag <gasps> that I on it. It's stalking you? It's 
It's not from Lord and Taylor. It's from Zappos. And I never even found the real bag at lordandtaylor.com, but it's like Facebook read my mind and said, I think you want, this was the bag you were searching for when you put in your keywords and we found it for you on Zappos. Yeah. How about that? Weird. Yeah. So do you feel good about that or bad about that? I bought it. I mean, I bought it at I bought it at five twenty three this morning. I bought Are that. Kidding. Oh, so you are you're not like creeped out that they're stalking you? People know exactly every keystroke you're making online. I never would have searched Zappos. I don't shop there. Well, you do. Now. So you see this as a convenience that the people are monitoring your every activity. Okay, well, that's good. I bought this bag, and they found it. I didn't even ask them to find it for me, and they found it. <laughs> I mean, I put in like code worth, and there's the bag. It arrives in five days. <laughs> okay, that sounds like a transformative experience for you, Leanne. <laughs> You're hooked. You're in deep trouble. You're in deep trouble. <laughs> now they know they can just start serving things up to you and you're going to click right through. Just bathrobes for all. That's what everybody's getting for Christmas. After searching as many bathrobes as I did this weekend for my son, you're all getting bathrobes, I'm sure. They'll probably just start sending me bathrobes because apparently I'm the only one in America that wears them. You know what you will probably find too? That bag will continue to surface for the rest of your life. You're going to be like, but I already bought it. Stop. But they just, they continue to hound you. Even because they, I guess they, the one piece of information they don't have is if you actually bought it. Uh, so I'll be curious to see when the bag stops showing up in your feed. Like, oh, five, ten years from now. Okay. Oh, Liz, you mentioned sleeves. And one of the trends I didn't get to was the bell sleeve sweater. Have oh. you seen these around? Yes. The big bell sleeves. These are popping up. I I just think if you use your hands in any way, they're probably not that convenient. <laughs> or yeah. if you want to eat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or if you want to wash your hands. You wash your hands at all. Yeah. 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 They're probably. But if you want to do anything else, like to stand in the sweater, it's probably a great look. It's fully sleeved. Okay, well, I, I have nothing to do. I don't have to do any of those things you just named. I am just standing around. I got nothing. Shopping for bags. That's what you can do. All right. Okay, anything else? What's, what's everyone doing this week? Well, Liz, we know you're doing nothing. No, are you doing no, anything? No, I actually do. I'm going to the theater this week. Um Arthur Miller's The View from the Bridge is opening oh, here oh. at the Amundsen in Los Angeles. And this was Tony Award winning uh, New York, London to New York to Los Angeles production. So I'm very excited about that. So I'm pretty much, that, that's it. <laughs> I got that going on. Oh, wow. <laughs> Busy week. <laughs> and you then, deserve this. We're not mocking. You, you deserve it. My husband keeps saying, so how's Liz like retirement? I was like, it's unchanged. She doesn't have anything to do. Still good. Still good to not have anything to do. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. God, of course, it's the big, you know, I hate to be the one to mention it because it's the big build up to my birthday next weekend. So, oh, that, right. Yep. Yes. Big Pl- build up. Big yep, we, know, we know that. You get the bag and a bathrobe. <laughs> Tassel earring. <laughs> I, I am gonna. I'm gonna find you some tassel earrings. I think you could wear it, Liz. I think you could pull it off. Okay, that would be fun. Thank you so much. You pull it off. What do you guys really? have planned? Uh, oh, I have. I, I one thing I did in addition to writing was go to all the doctor's appointments I haven't been to in three years. So I got everything done. People, okay. mammo, this, that. Things were removed, put back on, all kinds of things. Uh, the really good news is that I've shrunk a half an inch, so that's awesome. <laughs> is anyone else shrinking? Yes, that happened to me because I'm I'm in the middle of um, a battery of doctor doctor's appointments as well too. Yeah, I came up short, <laughs> literally <laughs> when when they measured me. I thought that's not right. I don't believe it. I don't I actually. Yeah. I don't actually believe yeah. several of the medical test results I got. That's okay. my position. So, <laughs> okay, okay. okay. I, I didn't believe. I thought something's wrong. That's not right. I, well, maybe I, yeah. maybe if I want to kill some time, I should make some doctor's appointments. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I have to get all my blood done this week. So that means I have to like get up early and go there with no coffee. So I have to like really get myself psyched for that. So <laughs> that's really it's hard for me in the morning. So I made a 6.45 appointment in the morning. 
So they do appointments uh, at six forty-five for what? What did you say you're doing? Uh, to get my blood drawn. Oh. Wow. And yeah. they're doing it at six forty-five. That's pretty good. Yeah, no, I know. That's I went in. I had to wait to get that first early bird appointment. Otherwise, it's last time I went like two years ago. I went. I forgot the slip of paper, and it was like at seven, and I hadn't had coffee. And I'm like, well, just go get the slip of paper and come back. And I never went back because I had a good <laughs> cup of coffee. I can't. <laughs> That's it. It was done. That was two years ago. So now I'm really good. Really going to do it this time. I'm going to do it. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Wow. Well, very full well, show this week, sisters. You know, it's the the, the, the Tuesday trio. <laughs> yeah. and remember, if you ever want to get in touch with us, we do have the Facebook group. You know, there there you can post your own things. You can comment on things we post. You can follow us on Twitter. It's at Sat Sisters. I'm at SS Liz. Leon is at Leon Dolan. Julie is at Julie Satsis. So we made that as complicated as we could. Um, <laughs> so the three of us, just wildly different choices about our Twitter handles. So, but those well, are- I usually retweet everything you do. Okay. So that makes it easy for just, you know, if you go to one of the sisters, then you get a lot of the other feeds. Okay, That's- good point. <laughs> and it's all... Okay. It's all explained at SatelliteSisters.com. We put show notes there for every show with links to the articles that we've talked about and anything else uh, that we think you might want as a follow-up. So if you just go to SatelliteSisters.com, you can get all of the details. And there we have a complete searchable archive if you're looking for older shows. And uh, if you subscribe at either iTunes or Stitcher, that is great for us. So thank you for doing that and for leaving a rating or a review. Um, okay. Anything else we got to? No. Have, have a good week. Yeah. All right. Have All a right. good week, everyone. We are the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sisters. <laughs>